Welcome to In Loving Recollection. This is your pal, Brent. Well, everyone, it's that time of year again, which is often a time of reflection. And considering the type of year that 2020 has been, I found myself thinking a lot about the past, and in particular, periods of my life that were also equally as trying. In February of 2004, the house I was renting in Atlanta caught fire. It happened in the middle of the night, and I did not initially wake up when the fire alarm started going off, because I had grown accustomed to sleeping through such sounds while living in the dorms at Georgia State, due to some of the residents' proclivity for pulling emergency alarms at 3 o'clock in the morning. I did not realize the seriousness of the situation until I heard my roommate yelling up to us that he needed our help. When my roommate Shane and I went downstairs, we found Jeremy frantically throwing buckets of water into the fireplace, where the flames had become uncontrollable. So we had the idea that one of us should maybe get on top of the roof and pour water down the chimney. And because we had no ladder, and I was the smallest, it was determined that I could be hoisted up easily, which is really just such a ridiculous idea when I think about it, since it was really dark outside, and I do have an extreme fear of heights. But I think we were strongly considering this option because I remember going into the laundry room looking for another bucket, only to find that that room was also filling up with smoke. And I think at that point, we realized we should probably call 911. We were told by the firefighters after the fire was put out that the fire had spread to the inside of the walls and that the most likely cause was a buildup of soot in the chimney. And I know it's hard to believe that dudes in their 20s were not properly maintaining a fireplace, but unfortunately, this was the case with us. And this house fire would start a succession of events that would make for a pretty terrible year. Just one thing after another, never ending. I remember music being, as it had long been, one of the soothing balms I utilized during this trying time. And the record I probably listened to the most during this period was the soundtrack to A Charlie Brown Christmas by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. I do recognize that this seems like a somewhat odd choice considering the season in which one is most likely to listen to this particular album had been over by two months at that point but I was just simply following the impulse of my subconscious. And besides, I really love Christmas music, and I believe that as a genre, it's pretty underrated. I think that because so many of these songs are ubiquitous, that it's easy to overlook how beautiful some of the melodies are. I mean, when was the last time you listened to We Three Kings with Critical Ears? I think you should try it. I bet the chorus of that particular song will blow your mind. Now granted, I do understand why some people don't enjoy Christmas music, especially if you're someone not necessarily seeking it out, and you're hearing the same ten songs being played nonstop throughout the month of December. The oversaturation, schmaltzy quality of much of the output can be hard to take. But if you're willing to put in the effort and wade through the multitudes, you can uncover some real gems. Because throughout this genre, there are an abundance of inspired moments ready to be discovered. Moments of both joy and sadness, intimacy and quirkiness, with just the right balance of nostalgia. And if you're really lucky, you'll happen upon a record that contains all of these moments, such as the Molly Birch Christmas album by Austin, Texas-based songwriter Molly Birch. I first came to Birch's music a few years ago through my love of the record label Captured Tracks. Being a fan of reverb and yearning, it was natural that I would become a fan of her music. And of course, when I learned that she would be releasing a Christmas album in 2019 and then saw the track listing, well, I knew this was going to be a record for me. And when the Molly Birch Christmas album was released, I put it on, poured me a tall glass of eggnog, and I listened. This is the story of that record. My name's Molly Birch, and I am a singer-songwriter living in Austin, Texas. 
Last year, I released my third full-length album, and it was a Christmas album called the Molly Birch Christmas Album. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a, a big uh, project for the entire year. I curated all the songs. I was heavily involved in like the album artwork, did all the vocals on the record. Yeah, uh, basically just like my, my baby. Raised in California, Molly Birch fell in love with singing at an early age. But upon entering her adolescence, she would grow reluctant to share her talent. Grew up in Los Angeles, but my dad, he was born in Dallas, Texas. So I grew up coming to Texas a lot. I remember as like a little kid, I loved attention, like singing and like knew it was something that I really liked. And then as I went into like middle school and I was like, you know, kind of awkward middle schooler, I realized that I really, really liked to sing, but I was like super shy and I didn't tell anyone. It was like, uh, I just wasn't comfortable putting myself out there, but I knew that I, like, I felt like I could sing. I knew I loved to sing. In high school, I took, like, baby steps, like, I would join choirs, stuff like that, but I didn't really, like, commit to it, and I never didn't learn an instrument or anything. I was just, like, I knew that it was, like, a passion of mine, but I was just, like, too shy. Um, didn't write songs, nothing like that. I would just, like, learn covers by myself. After graduating from high school, Birch would begin to pursue her interest in music. My freshman year, I went to Sarah Lawrence College in New York. It's a liberal arts school, and they don't have majors there. So it was kind of a cool way to dip my toes into learning about music because you didn't have to declare a major. You could just like take whatever classes you wanted to. And you could focus a lot on a certain subject. It was basically a major, but they just didn't call it that. So I decided to study music there. I think because it was so loose, I felt comfortable to make that choice. I don't really remember that year that well, but it wasn't that rigorous or anything. Was, um, but then when I transferred schools, I went to a more like traditional college, I guess. My mom, who now lives in Atlanta, she had moved to North Carolina after I graduated high school. So after my first year of college, I transferred because it was just too expensive. And I ended up in North Carolina because um, I got in-state tuition. So I finished my college degree in music at UNC Asheville. Yeah. It is during her time at the University of North Carolina that Birch would begin to experiment with songwriting. When I was at Sarah Lawrence, I still hadn't learned to play any instrument. Yeah, and I think I still just, I had such a, like, insecurity about that. Like, I just didn't think that I would ever write songs, and I didn't really want to try. So but when I moved to Asheville, I feel like it was, like, my junior year. I formed my first band. We wrote songs, like, together. So I didn't really write my own songs until I moved to Austin. Prior to relocating to Austin and starting her solo project, Birch begins a relationship with future collaborator, Daly Tolliver. We started dating my senior year of college, and we didn't really like play music together then because I had my own project and he had his own project. And we spent a year in Asheville after I graduated, and then I kind of had like a post-college um, I don't know, like freak out. So I broke up with him and, and moved to Austin by myself. And then I think like a year after we broke up, we got back together and he moved here and we started making music together. I chose Austin because I, I basically knew I wanted to move and I was thinking about moving back to LA. But I think because I've been living in such a small city, for like the past four years, I think I was like intimidated by moving back to LA, even though 
that's where I was from. And, you know, my friends and some of my family was still there. So I was thinking about it, but then I had met this guy and um, I, he lived in Austin and I was like, oh, okay, I'll move to Austin. <laughs> so I just sort of jumped into a new relationship. And I think also it seemed like a bit easier because it's a smaller city and I knew music was here. And even though like I didn't really know anybody except my new boyfriend, it just like felt like more manageable to live in a smaller city than LA. So yeah, so I moved here and I had a lot of time by myself because again, didn't know anybody. <laughs> and I started writing songs on a ukulele because it's really easy. But yeah, when I moved, it was like a good push to, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I should write songs. Most of like my first songs I'd written around my first album, Please Be Mine. Um, and I think it took about like, probably like two years for me to make friends and meet musicians and then in that time daily moved here so i got a band together eventually birch would sign with a great new york-based independent label capture tracks who would release her debut record please be mine in february of 2017. working like three jobs at the time and I was just saving up to record so um, we recorded Please Be Mine in like two days because that's all I could afford and then I just sent it off to some labels that I liked including Capture Tracks and everyone told me that no one would respond it was you know it's definitely hard to like send a cold demo submission um, but they got back to me and yeah, that's how it happened. Also, it was a, kind of a weird process because one, the owner, Mike Sniper, he like emailed me back like the day after I sent it. So it was like really um, surprising to like get a response so quickly. And he's a really intense person. So I was just like, what is going on? It was really super new to me. And I'd signed without even like meeting them really. Like I had like one phone call with him. Um, and it was kind of like a leap of faith because I sort of felt at the time, I'm like, well, I do like this label and I didn't have any other options. And I was just like, seems a little scary, but like I'm just gonna do it. And I'm definitely glad I did, but I but at the beginning it was really strange and <laughs> um but yeah. Definitely uh, changed my life, though, for sure. In the fall of 2018, Birch releases her second album, First Flower, and it is following a tour in December that Birch would begin to plan her next record. It was January 2019, and I had just released First Flower, my second album, that fall, and then, like, toured up until December, and then... Um, I was talking to my manager, Maddie, we were just having like a top of the year phone call. And she actually went to college with me in North Carolina in Asheville. And my first band, our very first show was at a Christmas party at my house. We played Christmas songs. Initially it was Madeline's idea. Um, and that was kind of why she was like, I was just thinking about the Christmas party that, you know, y'all played. And, you know, I thought it'd be so cool if you like, you know, because in all of 2019, I had like pretty much like tours booked for the whole year. But she was like, in between the tours, maybe you should make a Christmas album. And I was like, completely sold immediately. I always wanted to do it, but I was didn't expect it to be now. <laughs> like, um, but I even that like made me like the idea so much more because I was like, oh, that seems like really unexpected and kind of bold to like make a full length 
Christmas album as an indie musician who's only put out two albums. I was like, that sounds so fun. And really, um, even though I was like pretty dizzy that year, it just like, I, it just filled in my time when I wasn't touring. But yeah, so we like, we just had like w- one quick con- conversation about it. And I was like, we're doing this like 100%. And the label was excited. And I think at the very beginning, I knew that I wanted to write a couple original songs, but mostly obviously be a covers album. And yeah, I just immediately started to listen to Christmas music. And I was like, all 2019 was consumed pretty much with this album (laughs) and touring. But like, even when I was on tour, I was like shopping for Christmas uh, decorations at like Goodwill. And like, I was like very much uh just like put everything into this album a lot of people don't like christmas music that was sort of my goal with this album and like picking the songs and and writing the songs i wanted it to be well one reflect like songs that i like and then also you know i I really did want to appeal to people who you know love christmas music and people who who don't um i kind of just wanted to just um, yeah, I just wanted everyone to like it. <laughs> I don't know if that happened, but yeah, I also did want to put, yeah, like fun in it. That's why I have my, my comedian friends on a track and I had kids on a track. And like, I feel like there's more, like, I tried to bring in, you know, some campiness and, but yeah, I definitely didn't want it to be like in your face, super annoying Christmas music, which definitely exists. The majority of the album would be tracked in Austin, with some additional recordings done in Los Angeles. My dear friend, Will Patterson, he engineered it, and Will is um, an amazing musician, and he also does commercial work. It's like his studio, and he doesn't record that many bands, um, but I knew I really wanted to do it with him, so he let us record there. And he recorded in April I believe of 2019 yeah it was just really fun I feel like it wasn't even weird to record Christmas music in the spring just because I had been listening to it for like since actual Christmas um and I like got decorations for a studio and stuff we just had so much fun and it was fun we got so obviously daily um was on it and then my friend Luke Norton who lives in North Carolina who was I went to school with and uh, he was in my first, he was like in the original Christmas band in North Carolina. So I flew him out to be on it. So it's basically like the four of us were at the the helm and, and just swapping parts and everything like that. And then, um, and then just bringing people in to play. But yeah, it was mainly me and Luke and Daly and Will. But yeah, we did it part by part. We had um, Daly and Luke swapped like playing bass or guitar and keys and um I knew roughly like how I wanted the songs to be arranged or what vibe I wanted but we had a little bit of pre-production and then we kind of just um figured out the rest in the studio it was the first time I had really recorded that way because my first two albums were pretty much especially the first one was like recorded live band and then adding overdubs yeah so recording it piece by piece was um new to me and I really liked it more (laughs) I was like oh I think I like I'm really like glad that I made it because I think it just really inspired me to um record in a new way and write in a new way it was like a really cool palette cleanser I think between you know my second album and writing my third one and in the end they made a record it's not the glow you feel when snow appears Christmas card 
The Molly Birch Christmas album opens with the track The Secret of Christmas, featuring Birch's soaring vocals accompanied only by harp. The sparingly arranged number greatly exemplifies the strength of this record's track sequence, expertly opening, as all great albums do, with a track that just effortlessly sets the mood and tone for the entire record. I had never heard that song before researching what songs I wanted to do, and I found Ella Fitzgerald singing it, and I just fell in love with it. And that version does have heart, but it's like a lot more lush. It has like strings, and it's just a bigger instrumentation, but I just love the idea of having a heart, just like stripping it back and making it all about, you know, this really beautiful ballad and vocal heavy. and. Yeah, I also like fought really hard for that to be the first one too. Cause I just thought it's like such a beautiful intro. Like, I don't know, I thought it just set the tone really well. And a bit of like vocals and big dramatic ballads. And I think that a sparse ballad can like bring in the listener just as much as a, you know, upbeat pop song. So I definitely was like, I want that to be the first one. and. That was important to me. Dolly Parton's Hard Candy Christmas, which originally appeared in the 1982 film The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, continues the sparseness of the previous track, easing the listener in and creating a true listening experience that gradually adds in more instrumentation to the sonic space, including electric piano, light percussion, and some wonderful pedal steel guitar provided by musician Sam Costler. We knew him from North Carolina as well. <laughs> and he's our buddy that moved to Austin a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, he's one of Daly's really close friends. And he recorded on First Flower. He did rhythm guitar. Um, but yeah, he's an amazing pedal steel player. So um, I guess has to be on it. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. Still I won't let 
Parton fan. Um, but I actually had never seen that movie or heard that song before. Well, there was a couple of songs that I knew I wanted to be on it. Um, but that was the first new song that I heard that I was like, it has to be on it. I saw her music video for it. And it's like her in like a mall. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this has to be on it. But it was a really interesting song. The verses feel so sad. And then you have this like really showy chorus. I just love that sort of back and forth of it. I'm not a religious person, so I didn't want anything overtly religious in language or in themes, even though it's a Christmas song. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to keep it more either holiday, uh, you know, neutral or just fun Christmas. I didn't want to say God or anything like that. But that is the only song I think where I do. I think there's a, she says Lord, um, but I was like, it has to be on the record because <laughs> I love it, yeah. Snow Queen of Texas left Paris in a cloud of smoke. They say that she may be beaten, but I know that she's not broke. She's living in a cool green farmhouse. If you go to Houston, be quiet as a mouse. Following Hard Candy Christmas, and in keeping with the Texas theme, is the country soul number Snow Queen of Texas which was originally recorded by the Mamas and the Papas for their final studio album, People Like Us. And though it's doubtful that the original intent of this song was meant for the holiday season, in this context, it totally works, which really speaks to Birch's skills as a curator. Snow Queen, save a coat kiss for me. I'm on my knees, your majesty. Snow Queen of Texas in a cloud of smoke They say that she may be beaten but I know that she's not broke She's living in a cool green farmhouse If you go to Houston Be quiet as a I love Mamas and the Papas and that one was my sister's idea while I was pulling all these songs I was asking like my sister Sammy, if she had any ideas, or asking like close friends and family what their favorite songs were, you know, pulling everyone. And um, that was on her list. And she was like, that'd be so cute because you live in Texas and it's not a Christmas song, but it's a nod to where you live. And yeah, that was like an immediate sell. I was like, that's so cute. And when we recorded it, we did not stray far from the arrangement just because it's so cute and like classic. I was recording with a bunch of boys, so they all did the background vocals. It's the holiday season. It's the season of believing. And I'm dreaming for this reason. first of two originals for the record is the breezy up-tempo Holiday Dreaming, which features a great mix of driving rhythms, reverb-drenched guitars, and Birch's strong and yearnful vocal performance. I was so intimidated and I was like really procrastinating writing um, the original song. My goal was two and I did two, but yeah, it was just like, how do you write a Christmas song and not make it insanely cheesy like I just didn't know <laughs> how to do it but yeah I feel like once I started 
just shedding that creative block. I just had fun with it and I just tried to write like how I did and just sort of, I don't know. I think I, I like went into writing the songs as I did um, picking the tracks where I did want the songs I wrote to be like Christmas neutral almost. Like I wanted them to feel like holiday songs, but not so in your face. So I think that was like my goal, but I definitely like went about writing them differently than I write my own music, sort of just saw it as a job or something, even though it is my job, but like um, it was a challenge. But uh, yeah, and I think if I were to write Christmas songs now, I think I would do it differently. So yeah, I think I was just like with that one thinking, okay, I'm at a holiday party, just make it a love song. But yeah, I was in the end happy with the songs that I wrote. Um, I think my next Christmas album will be different <laughs> if I ever do another one. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Kate, what's up? It's John. Oh, hey, John. What's wrong? You sound sad. Oh, I just always get a little down this time of year, that's all. You're still thinking about that guy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I have just the thing. Come over. We're having an incredible Christmas. Me, Molly, a bunch of our friends and family. Okay, I'll try. I, I really will. Look, I'll let you do it, but really, really consider it, okay? I do love this time of year. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Birch's playful and unique take on the modern holiday standard Last Christmas contains solid musical backing and vibrant vocals, but what really elevates this track and sets it apart from the many versions that have come before are the extremely charming contributions of comedians Kate Berlant and John Early. Well, Kate is um, basically like my sister. She's my older sister's best friend and we all grew up together. And then like I met John through her and they're all like friends with my sister and I'd always wanted to do something with them but I was like what could that be <laughs> and then when I decided to do a Christmas album I was like oh this would be perfect to do something with Kate and John just because I think they're like the two funniest people alive and they were so great together and John really can sing Not that Kate can't sing, but <laughs> he's, he's, he can sing, and he also does an amazing Britney Spears impression, which we have like a little a little taste of at the end of the song. I think, I'm trying to remember now, but I think my initial call was John. At first I was like, oh, y'all will just sing, because that would be so funny. And then I think it was John's idea to have, oh, like, we'll do a little bit. And I was like, oh, that'd be perfect. There's so many, like, just natural like instrumental breaks in that song and it's so repetitive. We had John do harmonies and like he has his own verses. I haven't listened to it in a long time so I'm trying to remember. And then I was like, wanted them to just go off at the end. I was like, both of you are soloing, like vocal solos. Exact energy and put it straight into the song, yeah. Okay, is it just me or do you sound Oh my God, it kills me. And then, um, yeah, and then they're just, there's just so natural at improvising and, and working with each other. So that was really easy to come up with this, just the storyline of like him encouraging Kate to like come out to the party or something. And yeah, they're so funny. <laughs> I was like crying, laughing. Cause we just, we were probably had just like an hour or two in the studio and we just had them completely like improvise little bits and it was there was so much <laughs> to pick from so editing that was like really um hard so many people have covered last christmas but 
it's so fun. So I was like, I, I don't care. I want to do it. <laughs> and that was another thing too. When I was picking the songs, I was like, I don't want every song to be something that's been covered a lot. But for that one, I was like, it's just so fun. We're doing it. And I just thought that was the perfect one for for them to be on just because it is kind of such a, a silly song. And and it is covered so much that I thought that would make it unique to have them on it. I'm also so curious, like, how someone perceives that song if they don't know them. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just so I'm, I'm curious. But we had, oh, my God, we had the best time recording. The- I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on. sounds of a lonely honky-tonk on Christmas Eve, the oft-covered Yuletide classic, I'll Be Home for Christmas, gets the country jazz treatment and again contains another impressive vocal performance by Birch. This one was one of the ones that I knew I wanted on the record because I wanted like classic songs um, that most people know and, you know, were, you know, I wanted people to be like, oh, that's my favorite Christmas song. I had performed it when I was in college at another Christmas event. (laughs) But yeah, and I just, I remember exactly how I sang it. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I want like a big ending. And that one we felt like, me and Luke, who who I met in music class in college, we felt like we were like going back to our jazz roots with that one. And that was sort of just the vibe of that, was to make it really jazzy. (laughs) Find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if why this was so cool for me to record like I just felt like it was such a good experience to do before um, working on like my third record was because I don't even though my first two albums are really vocal heavy I think I was holding back a bit just yeah like exploring things having like a super dramatic vocal moment where I'm like doing a crazy run like I haven't done that I don't think on my other albums. So it was like really fun to experiment with my vocals in a new way, stuff that I've always done, um, but just not really put on my own music, which, you know, I think when I was recording the Christmas album, I was like, this is so fun. Like, why don't I do this more in my own music? And this is how I like to sing, you know? Take pity on me, I can hear that north wind. 
originally recorded by the British Invasion duo Twice As Much with future freak folk icon Vashti Bunyan, the track The Coldest Night of the Year is a pop gem that features pounding piano, a great McCartney-esque bass line, and wonderful vocal interplay between Birch and Austin-based artist Jesse Woods. And unlike another song associated with the holidays about it being too cold outside, the lyrics of this song will not make you cringe. Um, this was the idea from Pam from my label. She was like, this song's so great. Like, listen to this song. And then I was like, oh my God. And I knew exactly who I wanted to sing it, which is my friend Jesse Woods, who's my friend in Texas. I just love his voice. And yeah, I was like, that has to be a duet with him. That song... I feel like uh, she and him did it on one of their Christmas albums, which was, I was trying to avoid any overlaps like that. And especially like, I didn't want any overlaps with like any contemporary, I mean, I wouldn't call them indie really. I would say they're more mainstream pop, but I definitely was like scoping out other albums and not wanting to do it. But uh, yeah, but that one I was like, well, I really I feel like only they did it and it's not um, that widely covered and I just loved it so much and we pretty much stayed with the arrangement and um, yeah it was really fun to work with Jesse and he's so good at singing harmonies and yeah I love that one. Easily combining the dour mood of the song's lyrics with all of the sultriness of the original Stax recording is the track, What Do the Lonely Do at Christmas? Tis the season to be jolly But how can I when I have no Luke, who recorded on the record, he sent me that the Christmas and Souls bill, and there was like a ton that I loved and kept adding to like my playlist. But what the Lonely Do really stuck with me and like was my favorite. I just know that like the end, I wanted to again, yeah, that was like my Mariah Carey moment where <laughs> I just really wanted to like riff and I think that was like sort of a decision made when I was tracking vocals. that I had never really done in my previous albums and but it feels like so me and um, I think that was like a really good experience to commit to that because it just like really opened me up in that way where I'm like yeah like this is what I like to sing and I need to transfer this to how I write songs. So I feel like that song in particular really inspired me onto working on new music. And I think also I'm still like learning so much with recording and working with people. And my first record we recorded so quickly 
my second one, I didn't really like, I wasn't like a hundred percent comfortable in the studio. You know, I think like I had a lot more anxiety and then recording the Christmas album, like working with a friend who's engineering it. Like I felt so comfortable just singing in front of him and just like, not just singing. Like I was like, you know, basically vocal soloing and, um, but I felt so comfortable around him that I felt like I could explore in that way. Um, but yeah, I, that one's, I think, one of my favorites. I don't need much Not much at all But it's getting so cold outside And I need someone to keep me warm By effortlessly transitioning from Soul Seductress to the Sweetheart of the Rodeo, the track New Year Love, which is the second original written specifically for the record, greatly exemplifies Birch's versatility as a vocalist. definitely wanted my vocals to sound really dry like especially on the verse and I haven't again I haven't listened to this in like a year but um I'm pretty sure what we did was the verses were very dry very present crisp vocals I believe and then we put a little reverb on the choruses but yeah I definitely wanted it to sound really intimate and you know, I think because Holiday Dreaming was more of a fun, kind of chill, groovy song, I wanted my second um, original song to be more of a ballad. And um, yeah, and I liked uh, arranging it so it kind of, you know, builds up. And the first part of it is really, I think, you no know, drums. And again, I wanted it to be a little bit neutral not so holiday so it's like new year's themed and it's just a love song i have some very special guests on this next song
we near the end of the record, we get the well-known Christmas standard, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. With it being one of the most often performed songs of the holiday season, it's easy to forget the poignancy of the song's lyrics. But in Birch's affecting rendition, the sweetness is amplified through its sparse arrangement and inclusion of children singing. That song, I also knew I wanted to be on the record because I just, I love singing ballads. So I was like, this has to be on it. And I love Judy Garland's version of it. I didn't have the idea to have kids on it until kind of closer to recording because my old roommate, my friend Katie, I used to babysit these two girls like years ago and she sent me the song that I recorded with them and I totally forgot we did this, but it was like close to Christmas, probably like 2014 or something. I can't remember, but for their parents, I like recorded um, just like on GarageBand at my house when I was babysitting them, we recorded like three Christmas songs. And um, because of a Christmas gift to their parents and she had them on her computer and she sent it to me and I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot I did this. And it was so cute. Like just their voices singing. I can't remember what the song was, but they were like singing this Christmas song and the recording sounded terrible. And I was like, oh, we can't use this. That sucks. Like I would love to have like used this for the album. But then luckily I have a cousin here who has kids. So I asked her if her kids would want to be involved and if they had any friends that wanted to be involved. Yeah, so my cousins are on it with um, five of their friends and they were kind of varying ages, like six to nine. I don't know, (laughs) I can't remember their exact ages, but it was so, so cute. We did it four at a time basically so like two groups and just like had and they could all read so yeah can't remember how old they were but yeah so we were like just sort of I almost felt like we were like like teachers basically but we were like conducting them and they were so cute and so sweet yeah and I guess I didn't exactly know how I knew I wanted them at like the beginning and the end but that took a little bit of like editing but yeah it was super cute and yeah, I feel like it's it just uh, makes me happy. <laughs> no more champagne and the fireworks are through. Birch's loving and faithful recreation of ABBA's Happy New Year. Side note, and a fun fact, the working title of this song was Daddy Don't Get Drunk on Christmas Day.
I love, love, love Abba, but I had never heard that song. And that was on the playlist that my sister sent me. And yeah, that was another immediate like, oh, I'm a thousand percent doing this. <laughs> I love Abba. I love that it wasn't a Christmas song. And I did want to like bring in, you know, like New Year's. And I, and I wanted the New Year's songs to be at the end. And I just thought it was so fun and such a weird song. Like it's really unique and... Yeah, just really fun. I just love ABBA. <laughs> so I was like, we're doing it. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lands I'm for old lands I'm my dear for old lands we'll take a cup of Molly Birch Christmas album appropriately ends with a sparingly arranged version of Old Lang Syne. Subtle touches of piano and vibraphone create a musical backing on which Birch's vocals can once again soar, but is during the track's final moments, when Birch is joined by other singers on the song's final refrain, that this recording becomes something truly special. And then, is nicely concluded with the sound of popping champagne bottles and friends expressing their love for one another. such a like simple song in a way and there's not much to it like it's very repetitive so I definitely want it to be simple and stripped down and vocal forward but then I also really wanted everyone to join in and sing it because I just yeah I just love the the feeling of that and I wanted to like end with some like popping of champagne pretending it like it was New Year's and yeah I don't know I've always loved the song I love the movie When Harry Met Sally and Old Lang Syne plays at the end. And I knew I wanted to end the record with that song. Like, I was really certain of opening with The Secret of Christmas and ending with that one. And I felt flexible on, on the rest, but like, those were like, you know, definite. I think this and I'll Be Home for Christmas, like, I knew it was going to be on the album. Last year, we did um, three live shows. We really played the Christmas album in New York, LA, and Austin. And um, this song is really fun to play because we had like the audience sing and we popped champagne on stage and it was just like really fun. Some shows I feel like people didn't know the words, which I was surprised about because like, I feel like it's such a classic. But yeah, I love this song. For the album art, Birch and photographer Kelly Jarocco create a visual that fully embraces the playfulness of the record. I just had this vision of like... I wanted it to be a proper set and I wanted it to be kind of like those I Spy books where like I Spy Christmas where it's just a ton of stuff (laughs) and um, yeah I definitely wanted to be playful and kind of like um, you know have a sense of humor about it but I do love Christmas. One of my good friends um, Kelly Jarocco she did my first album cover Um, she shot it. And everything that 
is on the cover pretty much. I like thrifted when I was like on tour in between um, recording the album and stuff. And then I also knew I wanted my cat on it. He's actually photoshopped in it. He was there, but I fell in love with the first photo she took. That was like the test shot and he wasn't there yet. And she was <laughs> not mad at me, but she was like, no, that's the test shot. We can't use that. And I was like, that is the shot. And we just need that put present. Like you need to Photoshop present. And um, she was able to do that. The credit, like the fold out in the album, he's, that's him. He's not Photoshopped. He, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we had so much fun with that. And um, the back cover is like close up of my shirt and this little brooch it's like gold brooch this is my name my grandma who's lived in dallas she's not alive my sister found this picture of her that basically looked like the back cover like she's wearing a little collared shirt and she had a brooch just like that that said her name Nell. and i was like okay i have to find this or make this for the cover i love this and then i found one already made like on Etsy it was so strange it was just like basically exactly like it and it was my name and I ordered it and why I think the USPS because they delivered it literally the night before we were shooting the, the cover um it was like so great <laughs> like I thought it wasn't going to come in time and then it did Capture Tracks releases the Molly Birch Christmas album on November 15th 2019 and for Birch the experience of putting this particular record out would not be like previous efforts. It was definitely a different thing than re- releasing, you know, an original album. A few people were excited about it. We sold out of vinyl. Like, I think that, um, I don't know, it's, it was a totally different experience because it's a way shorter campaign. I think we, like, announced it in October, it came out in November. And then it's like Christmas and then it's done. But we're repressing it this year and can repress it for as long as we want to. And that's another thing that I loved about the idea is just being able to have something to um, keep putting out. This year, obviously, is going to be a lot different. Um, Last year, we had like three shows. It was like a way bigger build up and deal and this is just like we're repressing it but yeah I mean like our shows were so fun that was like the most fun ever I just worked really hard on making those like fun and special and we all had like my whole band was in green turtlenecks and I had a big poofy red dress and like it was just really fun so yeah this year will be very different I hope people well, be in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Released towards the end of 2019, the Molly Birch Christmas album entered a world that was unaware of the year that lay ahead. 2020 has been a time of great uncertainty and tremendous loss. And as this particular shit year nears its end, it's easy to be cynical. But to quote Kate McAllister from the holiday classic Home Alone, This is Christmas, the season of perpetual hope. And at its purest, that's exactly what this holiday is about. It's a time of love, joy, reflection, and genuine sweetness. The Molly Birch Christmas album is an embodiment of this spirit. And as for Birch's feelings on it, she's grateful to have had the experience of being able to make this record. I look back at it with such fondness. I'm so happy that we made it. And making the covers record, I feel like, inspired me in so many ways with writing my new music. Um, I think just because, like, I had experienced so much anxiety with my second album. Like, I wrote a year after I released my first one, so it was not rushed, but, like, I felt... I was just putting pressure on myself. I felt really anxious. And then like making a whole album and not having to think about those anxieties and just having fun recording. I just feel like all that energy was put into writing my next album. And 
I had so much fun with this album in so many ways, and I just feel like it was definitely like a really important chapter in my life. Thanks for listening to In Loving Recollection. A very special thanks to Molly Birch for speaking with me about this very special record. You can buy and stream the Molly Birch Christmas album and more from Birch's discography at mollybirchmusic.com, the various streaming platforms, and capturetracks.com. Seek this stuff out. It'll make you a better person. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at inloveandrecollection.com. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Eid Mubarak, Merry Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays to all. We'll see you in the new year. We'll get through this.